0: Welcome, Calvary Quakertown. It's great to have you with us this morning. And I sure hope you'd en- you enjoyed that video and that song, because it's the last time you're going to hear it, probably for a long time, unless you go to the website and play it, because this morning is the last installment in our top 10 series. And the whole purpose of the series was to look at some familiar verses, familiar concepts, familiar passages, and kind of look behind them a little bit, to correct any misunderstanding that we may have concerning those very familiar passages. Now, some people really like a recap and a review. So for that reason, let me recap and review where we've been in the series. And I would encourage some of you, I'm just going to kind of blow through the verses. If you would like to... uh, learn more about them, and you weren't here that Sunday, you can go to our website. Soon you'll be able to go to our app. You'll hear about that real soon. Uh, You can go to the website, and you can replay any of these messages in the top 10 series. We started the series by looking at Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's my wife's favorite verse, and she always is very frightened whenever she hears it. You ever get like that because you wonder uh-oh what's God, what what god's going to ask me to do and what's coming now that i've got to be reminded of that verse so i hope you weren't afraid when we did that message then we looked at jesus saying i will build my church and we said that verse is very comforting and also very challenging and nerve-wracking it's comforting in that jesus is building the church it's nerve-wracking he's not going to build it the way i think it should be bought built and sometimes those things are going to conflict then we looked at joshua twenty four fifteen. As for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. We're going to allow the Lord to build us. We're going to follow him. There are a lot of alternatives and options in our world. What decision are you making in your family? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. There's a price to following. No price to experiencing acceptance and forgiveness. But there is a price to continuing what Jesus started just like he paid a price. Next one. John 3:16 For God so loved the world he gave his one and only son whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life kind of the mission and statement of God we then get to participate in that and continue that After John 3:16 we did come follow me so what does that look like we kind of navigated following Jesus not only experiencing and enjoying the benefits but paying some of the price not to earn but in order to execute the mission. We looked at do not judge. Boy, talk about a concept that's misunderstood in our world. That doesn't mean that we're not discerning. It doesn't mean that we're not wise. We need to make wise decisions, but those decisions shouldn't be condemning, rejecting, criticizing, or pearl pushing. You can check that out if you want. Next one. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven 11, maybe the most misunderstood verse of the series. I know the plans I have for you, plans for prosperity, plans to extend all these. What exactly does that mean? The context is not our context. It's a little different. Second Corinthians four eighteen. we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but what is unseen, not on what's temporary, but what's eternal. And so we make decisions based on forever, not just based on today and my immediate comfort. Now, I do have to tell you that during this series, I received a number of emails, text messages, and I've been grabbed a number of times in the atrium or during the week, people saying, hey, Charles, how come we didn't talk about this verse? How come we didn't do that? There are only 10 weeks in the series, all right? There are thousands of verses in the Bible. We may not have picked your favorite. Here are a few verses that people actually emailed, text, or grabbed me and asked me why they're not part of the series. How about this one? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's a pretty famous verse. We did touch on that theme in John 3.16. But here's the only thing I want to say about this verse now. That verse is exclusive. You can't get to the Father except through Jesus. But it's the most inclusive, exclusive verse or idea anywhere in the world. Because that verse says anybody can come. All who come must come the same way. Anybody's welcome to come, but you've got to go across the one bridge in order to get. That's a very inclusive exclusivity. Here's another verse somebody said, well, why don't we talk about the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Isn't it it ironic that. We give to others what we want by the shot glass full, right? We give to them. What we want a shot glass, we give it to them in a bucket. And what we want a bucket of, we give to them in a shot glass. Here's how it works. I want justice for you. You cross the line. You wrong me. You step out of bounds. I want you squat. I want grace when I do it. I want forgiveness and acceptance and understanding. And Yeah, wait a minute. Treat others the way you want to be treated. You want buckets of grace? Give buckets of grace. You want shot glasses full of a critique? Give shot glasses full. Don't reverse it. Keep it the right way. And I stopped at the nursery a few weeks. My wife is in their first service and literally somebody there said, Charles, come here a minute. Look, we love babies here. We want more babies here. So why don't you include in this series, be fruitful and increase in number? Uh, look, I, I'm just telling you what they said. They grabbed me and that is actually what they said. Please do this. Somebody grabbed me, no, somebody sent me a text and said, Charles, why don't you speak on this verse from Leviticus? Check this out. Ring off the head, burn it on the altar, its blood shall be drained out on, I don't know whether this guy's watched too many horror movies, oh, I know one thing, I hope he doesn't have any pets. Or if he does, hopefully they're of the feline, sorry, sorry. And then some other guy, this is literally true, somebody grabbed me a few weeks ago and said, Charles, why don't you do this verse? Now here it is. As for those agitators, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. I have to tell you, I'm not usually lost for words. I didn't know what to say, right? Well, we're not doing any of those. Our verse for this morning is all about God sending, and that verse is Acts 1-8. So here's what Acts 1-8 says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now we've looked at that verse in our Acts series, but it is one of those verses that sometimes gets misunderstood. And even if it's not misunderstood, we need to be reminded of it regularly because in that verse, we get a profile and a position description. Dave Marks and I are... Guiding a church through the pastoral search process. And part of what we do whenever we do that, if, if I'm involved, we talk about first developing a profile. Profile answers the question, who? Who? What kind of person are you looking for? A job description, a position description answers the what. You got the who and the what. You know what I like about Acts 1-8? It's a profile and a position description. It tells us who, it tells us what, and it even tells us how to go about it. It's all there in one verse. But remember our three questions, we can't just jump in and say, well, here's what it means, go out and do this. we got to answer the questions. What's going on? What does it say? Then what does it mean? So our first question. So what's going on? Well, let me uh, read the first eight verses of Acts, as you should always do. Don't just rip a verse out of context. And then we'll answer the question, what's going on? So here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After going uh, through, until the day he was taken up the heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know dates and times the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So what's going on? Well, the first question you should ask when we're reading a verse from the Bible, right? Where are we in the story, the big story? So here's the big story. God creates, God is rejected, God promises, God appears, God sends, God restores. I even titled this message based on Act 5, God sends. The Act 5, God sends, begins with Acts 1-8. What does he say? You'll receive power when the spirit comes on you and you will go out and be my witnesses. Jesus is sending them. That's the message of Act 5. That's the act that we live in. So this is the beginning of our act, the beginning of Act 5. But what's going on within Luke's story? Well, the first thing you notice in verse 1 when Luke says, Remember my former book, Theophilus? this is a sequel acts is a sequel The volume one went before volume two you know if you watch game of thrones if you see a superman movie uh if you're watching a series on tv whatever it may be you need to know a little bit about what went before in order to understand the action that's here so luke says in my former book i wrote a whole 24 chapter story that story is about jesus appearing Luke says it this way in my former book Theophilus I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach now in the second volume he's writing about all that Jesus continues to do and teach through his followers that's why we call the act series continuing what Jesus started we don't get a new game plan we continue the original game plan now, some of the plays are going to look different because the context is different. I have to tell you, this past week, I'm driving home, and as usual, I'm in a hurry. And would you know it, somebody pulls in front of me, driving a small SUV, and I think this person's mission in this little trip was to tick me off. <laughs> First of all, he's going the speed limit, right? Like, what's up with that? Then he proceeds to stop and let other people ahead of him, right? Something, what's going, first of all, we're going too slow. Don't let anybody in front of you. That's not how you play this game, don't you understand? To kind of encourage this person to drive more normally, I pull up a little, okay, I'm tailgating the guy, all right? And just when I'm close enough, I look, I see one of those little, continue what Jesus started, stickers (laughs) on the back of his car. And so I back off and I'm trying to hide my, and I thought what idiot dreamed up handing out those stickers at church, right? (laughs) What is Acts? Acts is continuing what Jesus started. Theophilus says, volume one, I wrote about what Jesus started to do. Two, I write about what Jesus continues to do through his followers. The second word you need to keep in mind is resurrection. You don't see resurrection in the second volume, but the resurrection of Jesus ends volume one. The last chapter of Luke, Luke 24, is about the resurrection. The women show up at the tomb and Jesus is not there. Now, here's what that means. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, there is no acts. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, there is no forgiveness. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there is no mission. It's over. It's somber. It's sad. But if Jesus rose from the dead, there is a book of Acts. And there is continuing what Jesus started as he enables us and empowers us to do it. And there is purpose in what we do. And there is never regret for anything we do as we continue what Jesus started because Jesus is alive. You've got to keep in mind sequel and resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus ends volume one. It's the foundation for volume two. If Jesus is dead, there is no book of Acts. If he's alive, Acts not only was written, Acts continues in our living and our speaking. The last word, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Notice what Acts 1.8 says. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Here's kind of what Luke's saying. Don't you dare try this stuff in your own strength. Don't you dare try to do this on your own. In fact, every once in a while, Luke will throw in a humorous example in the book of Acts where some of Jesus' followers try to do what Jesus called them to do apart from the Spirit. They usually get beaten up, bloody, kicked around, running for their lives. At fun- Don't you dare try this in your own strength. Don't you dare try this in your own wisdom. Only do this in the power and in the enablement of the Holy Spirit. So here's a really important question for you to keep in mind. Who's the main character of the book of Acts? Well, maybe Peter, right? And if you read through Acts, Peter is the most prominent character in the first half of the book. He's all over the place. He's preaching. His life is radically transformed. And he is the main character that all shifts in the middle of the book. Paul becomes the main character at the end of the book. So Peter and what he's doing is up front, the kind of travels he does. The second half of Acts, all about Paul and what he does. But neither of those guys are the main character of Acts. The main character of Acts is the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of Jesus who empowers and enables all of Jesus' followers to continue what Jesus started. We don't continue what Jesus started with our own, you know, wisdom, and our own strength, and our own ability. We continue what Jesus started in the power of His Spirit, in the enablement and wisdom that He gives through His Spirit. That's what happens. You know, one of the amazing things about Acts that I love? So many times we often think, We need to get all our theological ducks in a row, answer all the theological questions, and then we can do something. Read Acts with this perspective. The Spirit in Acts is always doing stuff, and the followers of Jesus are kind of dreaming up theology to explain what the Spirit's already doing. I kind of have this sneaking suspicion church today should be more like that, that it is answering all the questions before you step out and do anything. Maybe experimentation, maybe exploration, maybe that should be the way we operate, the way they're operating, stepping out in wisdom, taking a calculated look, but doing something before you have all the little details answered. We don't have all the details answered with the Anders property. We didn't have all the details answered when we talked about our urban priority or our community center. Maybe we need to step out, trusting the spirit to lead us and have our theology and the questions get answered as we're moving rather than being stationary and not moving at all. So the Holy Spirit, sequel, Resurrection Spirit. Second question, what does it say then? What does the verse actually say? Well, I'll read it to you and then we're done. Now, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That's role. Who are we? We're witnesses. We're not leaders. We're not CEOs. We're not VIPs. We're witnesses. That's what we are. All we do is... Is witness to what Jesus has done now let me give you the context that you may not be familiar with when the Bible was written when acts was written there were no cell phones no television no social media no mass media of any kind if you wanted to know something you were going to know by person to person to person to person kind of like whisper down the lane that's how you knew so here's what would happen When a new king assumed the throne, how was word going to get? You couldn't call the reporters in. What did you do? The new king would dispatch heralds. And here's what they would say. Let me give you the good news. We have a king. That's how it went. Gospel, good news, was always attached to the announcement of a new king the word gospel was around long before Jesus showed up what did it mean the good news of a new king that's what it meant to be a witness we go with the announcement we go as witnesses and heralds we have a king his name's Jesus we're not primarily witnesses of what Jesus did in my life and how he did this for we are witnesses to the fact That the king of the universe was born, lived the perfect life, he was executed, and he rose again. That's the gospel. Now, that gospel is good for you and for me when we follow that king. But make no mistake, whether you follow him or not, that is the good news. The rightful king was raised from the dead, and he rules today. We're witnesses to that, and we are witnesses to the difference that that king is making in our lives. So, just like a good, wise king, a good, you know, wise manager comes into the department, and as the manager kind of brings order, there's stability and profitability and effectiveness and efficiency, and all those kind of things happen. As we get in step with the new king, all those things begin to happen in our lives, and the chaos is replaced with cosmos and order. We testify ultimately to the fact that the king has arrived. We testify also to the difference that king is making as I follow him. That's what we're witnesses of. Well, where should we go do that? Well, the verse tells you, look at it, right? Here's where you should do it. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Concentric circles of expansion. How many of you have ever um, cannonballed your friends at a pool party? Ever do that? How many of you have ever been cannonballed by a former friend at the pool party, right? That's what Acts 1-8 is about, right? The resurrection of Jesus is the catechismic explosion of the person hitting the water. But the waves and the ripples and the splashes continue and continue and continue. We're living in the waves and the ripples and the concentric circles splashing around the pool. We continue. And what does Jesus say? Start in Jerusalem, right where you are, then go to Judea and Samaria, kind of the next concentric circle. But you know what? Don't stop. Don't let the wave stop regionally. This message of the new king and the difference that he's making in the world and in your life needs to impact the borders of the world. We're in one of those ripples. We continue the rippling effect of the cannonball of the resurrection that happened in Luke 24. That's our role, and that's our agenda, all in Acts 1-8. Well, what does it mean then? What's it mean? Well, let me mention three things that it means, and I'll try to tie together some of what was said in the series previous. Here's the first thing it means. Comfort and call. Those two things are not the same. Now, I know you all like comfort. You enjoy pleasure and ease and all I know all that I, I do too right we get all of that in the gospel not just temporal comfort we get eternal comfort we get forgiveness of all of our sins acceptance with God we've been given a righteousness that we didn't earn we will always be accepted in love we get all of that that's comfort comfort you know what Jesus says about the comfort of the gospel enjoy it enjoy it relish it But the gospel also comes with a call. It comes with comfort and it comes with a call. Some of the verses in the series were about the call. Follow me. But following Jesus also involves a cross. I don't know this is true, but I suspect no one in this room, at least in our country, maybe in the near future anyway, will be forced to give their life for following Jesus. That that may change. But at least in the present, that won't happen. Now, other parts of the world, that actually happens today. For some of our brothers and sisters, they follow Jesus at the risk and at the price of their very lives. That may happen. But make no mistake. If you're going to follow Jesus, part of the call is you will die to your priorities, to your schedule, to your desires, to your wants, to how you think life should go. Following Jesus means we die to ourselves and we live to him. That's not how we find forgiveness, right? That's part of the comfort. But the comfort and the call go together. We get the comfort and all the things we enjoy about following Jesus. We get grace and mercy, forgiveness, acceptance, all that. But there's a call side, too. When you follow and when you become part of extending that message in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaritan, there's a price that comes with that. That's the call. It's a two-sided deal, right? It's a paradox, this following Jesus thing. Here's another paradox that it means. Word and deed. Word and deed. As you read through the rest of Acts, what do you see Jesus' followers doing? Speaking the words of the gospel. We've got a new king. His name's Jesus. But they're doing acts of the gospel. They're loving and serving people rather than themselves. They're sacrificing their desires and their time, time and energy to serve someone else. There, there's the act side and the speak part. Of following Jesus it's word and the, it's not either or I know that we've talked about this uh, numerous times before but you see it so clearly in the church the church broadly there are some segments of the church it's all about word 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 right we got to tell people who Jesus is. we got to tell them that they're sinners we need to and that's true we need to do that but there's also the action part of loving people and feeding people and caring for people and building relationships It's it's not either or, it's both and. It's word and deed. And lastly, the paradox of local, regional, and global. It's Jerusalem, that's local. It's Judea, Samaria, that's regional. And it's global, the ends of the earth. I want to mention a, a couple of things that we're doing in each of those. In our local area, a lot of our ministries will start this week and in the very near future. All of the ministries that we start, whether they're children's ministries, whether they're student ministries, whether they're young adults, whether they're EBFs, whether they're small groups, whether they're women's, whether they're men's, all of those things, they all have a missional component. Maybe the component isn't specifically where we prefab what needs to be done, but there's always encouragement to live out, love and serve, bless those people around you right there's always that missional piece so as all those ministries start it's not only to help us experience transformation better it's not only to build really cool relationships that we love each other it's also to be missional engage with people build relationships not being pearl pushers but loving and serving people obeying the spiritual law of supply and demand supplying what people can take and what they're expecting and what they're asking for, not what you want to drive down their throats. So locally, we've got all that stuff going. You saw on the screen when you came in. Freefall will soon be our Quakertown campus leads us in free fall. There'll be opportunities for us to be involved in Montgomeryville and in different areas in the near future. All those things are local. We serve and we supply with goods, lots of areas um, around us with them. Um, Goods, as far as food and clothing, we network with existing organizations to do that. We have a benevolence fund where we help people pay rent and get heat and buy food. Locally, we've got a counseling center, multifaceted word and deed ministries locally. But we also work regionally. We continue to build homes and restore things in Houston, Texas. And so we, some of you, have traveled to Houston, and have put your skills and talents and some of the resources of Calvary Church into play. We've sent container after container to Puerto Rico seeking to do those things. We have an urban priority where we have partners in the city and we're we're supplying schools, school materials, backpacks and supplies so kids can go back to school because their families may not have the money to buy them. Building an emotional support room so the kids have a place to experience quiet calm and safety, because that may be the only place they're going to experience it that whole day. Putting Wi-Fi in so people have the opportunity to study when they're home, experience tutoring where it can be done, rather than only do it at school, they can now go to another place and experience. Lots of things happening locally and regionally. We also do things globally. You may not know this, but Calvary supports 43 missionaries. That are situated around the world. Calvary supports 24 missional organizations. We support them with finances. We support them sometimes with strategy. Any gift that you give to Calvary Church has a local, regional, and global component to it. Sometimes people will uh, grab me and say, Charles, you know, it's so confusing. I get all these requests, and look, you you need to give wherever you believe the Spirit's calling you to give, right? So this is not saying not do that. But I want you to know, people will say, I'm not sure how to answer these questions. I'm not sure whether this organization's better than that. Here's what I would say. Your gift to Calvary Church allows us to do the vetting of those organizations, of those individuals. And your gift to Calvary Church actually funds local, regional, and global initiatives all over the place that's our mission that's yours too so what's this all about continuing what Jesus started it's about a comfort we get all this stuff for free Jesus says enjoy it it's also a call now just like I gave my life for you now I'm asking you to give your life to follow me and put your stuff into play so other people can experience. It's word and deed. It's not either or. It's both and, and it's local, regionally, regional and global, all three. Three paradoxes of our mission. We are witnesses in word and deed, locally, regionally, globally. I'm going to close in prayer. The band's going to come out, so don't leave, and we'll end the service. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for including us in your awesome mission. We realize that we can't do anything to enter it, and we can't do anything to earn our place in it. All that's been taken care of by Jesus, our representative. But now, Lord, you ask us to continue what Jesus started. And in a real sense, the book of Acts does not end. The book of Acts continues. And we're writing our chapter of it today and tomorrow. Lord, help us to write well as we continue what Jesus started in our context, in our network of relationships, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families. Help us to do all that well. Living out the comfort, following Jesus in the call living it in word and deed, locally, regionally, globally. We pray in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.